0: hello everybody and welcome to the jerich show I as always as always yes because most of you people change your name on a weekly basis but i as always am Javad Malik. and unfortunately alongside me now this is going to be really interesting because I've we've got a special guest as well and i'm I'm, I'm thinking if i add back in eric hopefully it will be eric and not our special guest that that comes in so hold on let me just <laughs> be very careful what I click is oh, you Nice.
1: A professional production here, Javad. Ooh. Um, and you just added someone else in too, um, Ooh. who is not there. So wonderful way to just totally blow that. You know, we have the saying here: our tagline is timely topics poorly presented. And folks, if you're on the podcast, be glad you didn't just see what just happened. It was it was a mess. Uh, but it is nice to be here again uh this week to talk about a couple of other interesting things that went on and then to introduce our de- our guest and have a little chat. So yes. what do you got for us, Javad?
0: Indeed. Let's kick things off with, uh, here. this is a story you brought up. What, what's this all about? Amazon delivery that could be an online scam. Wow. Yep, as, yep. If, as if we didn't already have enough problems with Amazon deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, You know, this is, it's fairly typical. We do expect this
1: around this time of year, right? And, and this goes back to the social engineering part where um people are expecting packages we're buying stuff it's been black friday it's been you know all these sales so people are buying stuff left and right and then what they do is they start throwing out these uh delivery problems or you know an exception with delivery or going to be returned or something like that that people they don't even know which package it is half the time or even remember that they ordered something so they they're like oh what happened to my package right and so this is a fairly common one but i wanted to talk about this because it is so relevant to the time of year that we're in right now. So what I wanted to say is, warn your family members. Let your family members know about this, and to be very, very careful with these sorts of things. If there's a problem, go to the Amazon website. Don't click the links in the email. But it's a great, it's a great and and very um, powerful type of email. I mean, it gets lots of clicks. That's
0: for sure. It does. And what one good tip that I've used actually because I. It, it it can save you. Sometimes uh, over Christmas you're you're tempted to send your friends some prank gifts, but normally if you just send it in t- addressed to them, they you know maybe their other half or their kids would open it and that would be inappropriate. So I clearly label whenever I send Eric an Amazon parcel, it's to Eric Crone, Disciple of Javad, or something like that, or Javad's number one fan, something like that, and then the, his wife sees it from the outside and takes it straight to him, said like, "We don't want to be anywhere around it when you open it." True so story, that, folks. That money saving tip is <laughs> and yes. friendship saving tip. True story. Uh, next story <laughs> is uh, a hacker is selling access to the email accounts of hundreds of C level executives. Now. Um, What would be funny, I I saw this and I thought, are these real C-level executives or just the ones that proclaim to be C-level on LinkedIn? Because there's a a bit of a difference between them. Um, However, it's a very, um, it's a concerning story because really, when you think about it, emails are your crown jewels to your organization and executive emails, uh, even more so. Uh, We've seen so many business email compromises happen. Even even just last week, we, we spoke about the Australian hedge fund that actually had to shut its doors because uh, their CEO got, got spearfished by a Zoom email and uh, bad guys got access to the, his email and they started sending off payments to um, you know unknown accounts. Um, so this is actually really, really um, quite dangerous. Um, you know, So if you're a C-level exec or responsible for security of their of their accounts, then please encourage them not to reuse passwords choose a strong password use a password manager enable mfa give them some security awareness so that they don't click on links uh, you know we, we need to think about the cyber security of c level execs in the same way that we think about the physical security uh, you wouldn't see someone like uh, uh, you know like zuckerberg I, 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 he just came to mind because he was jogging like a few months ago and he was surrounded by four uh, security guards Uh, I I think we we need to take the same approach, but in in the in the cyber world, because the the impact that could be happen, uh, it could be quite devastating for the whole organization.
1: Yeah, what I thought was interesting on this one, Javad, if you scroll up to the top, uh, you know, credentials are a commodity item now. And and so they're cheap, they get them in big dumps, but up towards the top of this, I think it should. uh, These are going for 100 to $1,500 per I think if you keep going up still more. Um. yeah yeah, access sold 100 to 1500 bucks per account compared to the the typical just commodity stuff that's dumped out there from other breaches there's a significant amount of money to be made here and these people that are buying this are going to be doing some serious spearfishing in order to recoup that
0: yep absolutely and it only takes one one good spearfish to recoup that and make whatever 5x profit So is there some stolen credentials from OG Users Hat? Again, what is it? Second time, third time, fourth.
1: Third segment. time, third time for these guys, um, and, and you know, <laughs> it, it just it blows my mind because y- you have these these uh, different forums like this. This one happens to trade in credentials and, and and do you know stolen data and stuff like this. And it's ironic to me that you know somebody who's in the business of dealing with criminals just keeps getting hammered. And, and the funny part about this one is. It looks like it was actually a competing, uh, competing forum that did the hack. And so it's damaging the reputation, right? And getting people to just give up and get off of that one and move on. Um, the <laughs> th- This is just, you know, it-, it blows my mind, the stuff that goes on. There is no honor among thieves when it comes to these sorts of things.
0: And uh, I- I'm glad you mentioned this article because they've got this, <laughs> this uh, so-called expert quoted in it as well. But, uh, yeah, it'll be in the show notes, folks. Uh, so those on the podcast, um, you, you, you'll have to wait. I won't ruin the surprise. And uh, you, you suggested this story, and it came on air. Comcast is saying that home hackers attack homes on average 104 times a month. And I read these kinds of sensational headlines, and I curse under my breath. Uh, it's it's such a, a clickbait kind of statistic just to throw out there. Um, you know, I don't think my house is being hammered specifically 104 times a month. But you know, sure, my washing machine turns on at weird times every now and then. But that's neither here nor there. But um, but yeah, it's so I I think. It's still an interesting bit of research if you take out the sensationalism. I think that's, that's the key. I think what's important to understand is that we have a lot of um, connected devices in our house and that's only increasing. And the fact that there's so, much, so many things there may means that your attack surface is bigger. So attackers will scan and they will come across any unsecured devices and they will try to take advantage of it. I think what we need to be mindful of now is Really, you're running a mini data center in your house with so many devices, so many things, and everything's connected. Just a few days ago, last week, uh, did we talk about the Amazon outage, the uh, US East outage? I don't outage? think we did.
1: No, no. It,
0: it was oh. on my other podcast. But um, there was a <laughs> the host unknown Pod- host unknown podcast. It, uh, that's actually a better podcast, folks. If you want to listen to <laughs> No, it's not. It's uh, stay on
1: it's- topic. Okay, come on.
0: You and you cracking the whip but um that went down and there were people whose like Roombas would uh, uh, stop functioning because it needed to connect back to the data center to to get the, the map of the the room that it had saved there or people's ring doorbells were stopped communicating to their phone and all that kind of thing so um I think it's something very interesting in the sense that we need to be mindful or we need to educate people to be mindful of the fact that hey you've got 50 devices in your house that are relying on the internet and communicating on the internet and possibly uh, vulnerable uh, through the internet. So what are you going to do when uh, a hackers come for you, brother?
1: Oh, boy. You know, the other thing to think about here is, especially in this COVID time, uh, where everybody is working from home, you know, people are reusing stuff. Or even, not, even if they aren't, they have their work devices on that network all the time, right? So somebody gets in, they do some stuff, they get into... Uh, that work device, and then what do we do? We connect to the VPN the next day, right? And so now we're we're playing games, right? So it is something to think about, especially now that we're in this case that you know 104 attacks per you know per month. I don't know if they're counting port scans in that or whatever, but you know. The the things that I have out there, I see a lot of connections and disconnections on you know different ports. That's not really an attack though. So I I did like the sensationalist headline because I know how much you love that stuff too. Thank you, (laughs)
0: Eric. Anyway, we have got a guest today, and for those that missed the part beginning, it's a surprise. Or oh, those who didn't see, read the show notes, so uh, it's a surprise. But uh, we're we're truly honoured. Uh, really, really happy to to have this this guest with us. We we I had the pleasure of meeting her last year at RSA. Eric uh, Eric's one good deed for the year <laughs> he introduced me to her. Uh, she's absolutely awesome. Um, very unconventional route into security. Um, won the um, the. Uh, social engineering village um, at defcon
1: <laughs> <laughs> you did it you did it so the okay. SECTF, it's actually the social engineering capture the flag at defcon
0: that's right yes. that's right um, and uh, she done it all while having uh, well, while carrying her yeah, no, not having a child Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm butchering this, aren't I? Why don't we <laughs> just introduce? Okay. let's get her in here to salvage <laughs> your your stuff. The fabulous, fabulous Aleth Dennis. Hello, <laughs> Aleth, and welcome. You're muted.
1: You're muted, Aleth.
2: i are muted, go. aren't I? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's so okay, we're just though. fudging this all up. Okay. <laughs>
1: what we do you know
2: it's par for the course in 2020 i i assure you um and believe it or not that rsa was this
1: year (laughs) yeah wow Uh, that was like the last in-person anything i've been to and it 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 feels so weird because it feels so long ago and i remember you know that's kind of what started this javad was we were doing our our daily recrap every night after uh rsa and you know i remember going through and we have b-roll footage of like all of the sanitizer and hand sanitizer bottles mm-hmm. on all the counters you know and 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 all of that kind of stuff and it just blows my mind that that was this year I and mean, crazy times crazy times indeed um but yeah welcome to the show i think this is uh, amazing that you're here because you let us know that you've actually watched a couple of these episodes and mm-hmm. still you wanted to join <laughs> us i i, I got to tell you <laughs>
2: No, thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, I I have been following the Jared Show now for some time, and I'm a huge fan, um, very oh, huge fan. So nice. yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> um, to be frank, I mean, so so much of our social interactions and our ability to connect with people this year have just been so strained. So it's always fun to get to you know get involved with podcasts or um, you know just have chats like this, even if it's not you know, specifically for distribution later on. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm very happy to join you both. And, yes, it is the Social Engineering Capture the Flag contest in SE Village at DEF CON um, that I'm most most well-known for winning and for um, being honored with a black badge from DEF CON. Um, but, yes, very non-traditional route into information security. Um,
1: you, you started... Yeah. You started in um, in the staffing world, right? And then ended up going this direction, right?
2: Right. So, well, I've, I've worked in a variety of different industries and I kind of have been somewhat of a chameleon before now. Um, for the past over five years, I have been working for a global staffing company in market intelligence and um, essentially doing OSINT for a living. And then prior to that, I did digital marketing for a software company that developed CRM software for car dealerships specifically. Um, Prior to that, I worked in title and escrow insurance and did research on property chains of title. So it's just this, you know, real hodgepodge of skills over time. Um, But when I found the SECTF, it really just ignited this fire for information and for research. And then that kind of opened this door into information security. And it kind of brought all these skills that I had acquired along the way together. And I was like, I can use all of these things to do this. And I'm super excited and passionate about it. So let's do it. And so it took me a full, I think two years and you know, doing consulting on the side and now officially um, you know, being employed as a security consultant and being able to engage with clients and stuff like that. So it, it definitely was a journey and there was a lot of work <laughs> along the way. Um, but it's been really nice to be able to to have those what we call in staffing um, transitional skills, the skills that will transition from one job to the next to the next and that can adapt to new environments and I think a lot of people are are in a situation this year where they may have to leverage those skills to get into different industries. And why not information security?
0: That's amazing. So, so you kind of like um, glossed over, I mean, you, you kind of like just threw it out there like, oh, I won the black guy. I, I won the black <laughs> yeah. um, what does that kind of involve? Because. I mean, I've never mm-hmm. taken part in one of these uh, CTFs uh, or especially like a, a social engineering one and, and what have you. So I've sat around with some people who've been working on some technical ones, but how does one actually approach it? What do you do? I mean, do you, do you go to some training courses? Do you just watch a lot of YouTube videos or is it just something you're just born with and you just naturally walked in and, and, and won it? I mean, h- how did that happen?
2: There's well, there's two different phases to the SECTF. The first phase is information gathering and the OSINT portion. Um, you receive your Fortune 500 company target, you get their URL and nothing else. And then you have to go to work trying to find these specific flags of information that the contest runner gives you everything from their janitorial company and their vendor management company, and um, you know, who picks up their trash to what kind of computers they use, how long people have worked at the company, those types of things. Um, and you have, I think, three or four weeks to put together a report and you actually submit a report with all your findings to the contest runners and then they grade it. And then after you've acquired all that information, you go to Vegas for DEF CON and they throw you in a soundproof booth and now you have to do the live vishing or voice elicitation calls using the people that you found the phone numbers you found and the information that you found to put together a pretext and then elicit this information from the targets over the phone live and you have 20 minutes to make as many phone calls as you can and get as many points as you can Um, and it is nerve-wracking as heck the first time i did it (laughs) when i was done making my calls I was literally shaking with adrenaline just from all the stress and the tension and just the nerves of being up in front of about a thousand hackers (laughs) doing this live. Um, And it was, it was crazy, but it was so much fun. I think there was one, there was one instance in one phone call where I had started it with one pretext and then they transferred me to somebody else. And I switched to a completely different pretext mid call and the entire audience just went crazy. And I felt like I won. I mean, I came in sixth, but I felt like I won. And it was so much fun just to, you know, entertain them. So the next year I was like, I just want to do better than sixth. Like, that's all I want to do. But I want to keep playing the game because this is like the most fun I've had in a long time, like outside of, you know, kids and all that, that family stuff. This is the most fun I've had in a long, long time. And so I went back the following year and I just, I spent the year in between the two times, just dedicating every waking minute to learning as much as I could about social engineering, about pretexting. I read books from actors. I researched OSINT techniques. I did like all of this with the goal of just getting better than sixth place. And then it was like the stars aligned and everything that I planned came together perfectly. Um, And I had upwards of like 200 hours into this effort because i'd been on maternity leave (laughs) coincidentally i just had a baby so i'd be on maternity leave during the OSINT portion that's the truth and so uh i made it my job to do all the OSINT and i put together this strategy and i executed it and just it all came together perfectly and i got really lucky but i also put a lot of time into planning um who i was going to call and uh, I even had like a spreadsheet where I graded the individuals that I'd test called to see who would pick up their phone and then like average the score. Yeah. Typical research person. Right. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was a ton of fun. And uh, at the end of the first day was my call session. And at the end of the 20 minutes, I was like, just so relieved to have it be done and be able to jo- enjoy the rest of DEF CON. Um, That I kind of was like, you know, that was so much fun. I'm anxious to see, you know, the other seven contestants go to work tomorrow. And now I can relax. Because I've been super stressed about the whole, you know, having a three month old baby at DEF CON thing. (laughs) And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun, by the way, she was three months old at DEF CON. And it takes nine months to make a baby. So you can do the math there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, you know, so so with the social engineering capture the flag, just so that the people that aren't familiar with it understand, you get points for getting information from people Mm -hmm. like the operating system they run, or the type of computer they run, or antivirus, right? So, you get points for getting them to give up this kind of information that, as an attacker, would be incredibly valuable for you, right? Mm -hmm. And you're doing this in a soundproof booth, like you mentioned, in front of a lot of people, and, and I know my biggest takeaway to this is and and, and cheers to y'all that do this because it gets so awkward at times. Like I'm cringing in the audience as you just keep pushing somebody and pushing somebody and trying things to get information. And it just makes me feel like so awkward. And yet you all just keep like rolling through it. Do you ever feel bad afterwards? Cause you just steamrolled oh, somebody.
2: I still remember the names of all the people that I called both years. I still remember <laughs> like exactly what they said and exactly how horrible I felt. and <laughs> guilty after the fact. It definitely does kind of wear you out even when I'm doing engagements where you know I'm being paid specifically to do it but there's something about the SCCTF the fact that they have literally no idea that does make me feel really guilty especially when they're so darn helpful like yeah. it makes me feel bad which is why I always focus on um, pretext that would never leave anybody with a negative feeling I never use fear I never use you know, manipulative, underhanded type tactics, because I want them to hang up the phone and just think, "Ah, that was a weird call and move on with their lives.
1: You know, Um, I I love Chris, Chris Hadnagy, (laughs) who kind of puts this together, you know, his, his mentality and a lot of what he does is leave people feeling better than before you got there. And I think that's a key, key tenant to this.
2: Exactly. And it, it was kind of funny. One of the people that I called, um, and I will tell you, this was Prior to pandemic, I targeted remote employees who were regional salespeople who had cell phones for work and were used to getting called after business hours because I had to call after business hours with my call time. And uh, I had a gentleman that was, I didn't know until I was able to actually talk to him on the phone instead of just making sure he picked the phone up and then hanging up. Um, but I didn't know he was on paternity leave. And this organization gave four months of paternity leave and he was like three months into it. Um, one thing about big tobacco, I guess it's a benefit four months. <laughs> so anyway, um, he was three months into his leave and I was getting ready to say, oh, you know, I'm so sorry to bother you. Let me let you go because I wanted to make sure I had as much time as possible to call the next person. And I thought he was going to shut me down. And he said, hold on, I'll go get the computer and I'll boot it up. And I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were desperate for some interaction. at that. Oh, point, they right? were
2: desperate for. Well, because my pretext was essentially, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with IT. It uh, looks like your computer hasn't connected to our VPN in a while. which was perfect for him because it totally hadn't and uh you know we're getting ready to replace a lot of our regional salespeople's machines and i wanted to make sure that we had all of the software that you use installed on the new one before we ship it out so i got all of the you know hardware questions all of the software questions i even got what shipping courier do you prefer ups fedex and like a variety of other things but in the beginning, to build the report, I was like, "That's so crazy! I just had a baby too." <laughs> I totally <laughs> wasn't lying. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's tricky, and I still do feel flipping terrible because I'm sure he contacted IT at some point. I was like, "Where's my new computer?" <laughs> and they're like, "What are you talking about?" But yeah, sometimes I think I talk about it too much, and then somebody's gonna like.
1: Confront me see about you it, and yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: and they're like, I "Lost my job because of you." Yeah, oh yeah. my god, yeah, that would make <laughs> I mean, me feel insanely terrible. Um, yeah. But my 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 hope is that everybody just dismisses it, and moves on with their lives, like, "Oh, that was strange," and then just nothing comes of it again.
1: Well, and I would hope that honestly, if they do reach out to IT, they go, "Hey, you know, this is a problem. Maybe they learn from that, you know, and it's a learning the, experience because we do need that."
2: the past two years that I've competed, none of my targets have actually reached out to um, social dash engineer for uh, the reports, but they can absolutely do that. They can gain access to the report. They can have it for free and then use that in their security programs. Um, But we actually send the targets to the social-engineer.org website as one of the flags, so they're actually, you know, brought to that information, which is, I think, quite ironic. But, um, you know, if they if they looked around a little bit, they'd probably be able to figure out what was going on.
0: That's quality. So, so you you've mentioned uh, the baby a couple of times, yeah. and and so it's, I I just find it, you know, uh, quite quite incredible. Uh, how do you balance your time I and mean, how do you make time like you, you talk about putting in 200 hours and I know a lot of people have busy <laughs> like we we all live busy lives these days everyone's short on time but how do you actually go about scheduling your time do you have just like ultra discipline do you block out like okay two hours I'm doing this two hours I'm doing this and then I'm back into mom mode or or, or wife mode or, or or whatever it is or I mean are you just going to tell me you're just naturally gifted at multitasking and you can just do 50 things at the same time?
2: <laughs> no, I've been told I'm horrible at multitasking. I am pretty good at multi-threading, which means I can kind of keep track of a variety of different things going on at the same time. I um, mean up until recently I was working like two and a half jobs simultaneously every day. Um I don't take lunch, like I don't take a lunch very often. And I do have a lot of support. Um, and, and prior to now, that was, you know, schools, daycare, things like that, that enabled me to work full time. Um, but I do compartmentalize. If I'm at work, I'm at work. And if I'm at home, I'm at home. And I've worked remotely for about 10 years. So at work is a mental state more than it is a physical state most times. Um, but I try to A, compartmentalize and B, like on the weekends, you know, my work computer stays shut unless I have, you know, like a commitment for a conference presentation or something like that. I keep the work computer shut. And I try to really devote my time to family time during those times, if I can do that. Um, and then I also have, I have chickens, <laughs> and a lot of them. <laughs> and so that kind of like, it keeps me grounded. Like I, I don't want to spend every waking minute glued to a screen. And sometimes I feel like that happens to a lot of us. So the chickens and the dog and those kind of things, they like make me go outside. And I try to make the kids go outside too. And I have four. Um, all under the age of 10. So it's, it's a lot. <laughs> and sometimes I don't sleep very much because I'm like packing backpacks and doing that kind of stuff at midnight. <laughs> like, uh, like last night, when I was trying to pull all the stuff from two weeks ago out of the backpacks, I never unpacked. <laughs> 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 but, but uh, yeah, I, I try to separate the home and the work stuff. And then as far as the work stuff, it's really a matter of just prioritizing tasks. And I, uh, I have a really hard time with focus on the stuff I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> rather than the stuff I want to
0: do. <laughs> so,
2: so honestly, I keep these around and I just list all the things I have to do today so I can see it. And then I cross them off as I go. And then once I do that, I give myself the reward of you know spending time on Twitter or doing the thing I want to do instead of all the stuff I had to do. And I will literally bribe myself with cookies if that's what it takes, literally. Like you can only have that when you are done with this, even though you hate doing this. <laughs> like That's a great, you know. that's
1: a great way to do that is reward yourself. Yes.
2: I um, bribe myself continuously. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I like the list idea. I mean, it's something, so I, I have not worked from home all that much. Javad has. Um, so he's, he's more used to it, but it's been a real challenge for me to separate that time, uh-huh. you know? So I'll find myself up here. My office is kind of upstairs. I'll find myself up here all day. And then, you know, I just kind of don't know when to leave. It's, it gets yeah. kind of weird like that. And, and I think that that's something that a lot of people probably struggle with if they've never done this before, but I like the idea of making lists to be able to do that. Um, cause it is hard to unplug.
2: once. Well, and once you have a list that's checked off, you know, all the things you had to do today are checked off. You can kind of go, okay, I accomplished something like there's, there's, um, you know, uh, actual result to the work I was doing today that I can see physically on a piece of paper, um, and then it kind of gives you like that sense of it's okay for me to stop because I did all these things. And for me, it's it's been a little bit easier because I had the kids to go pick up or something to you know cut that time, and then the picking up and the coming back home was sort of like the commute, even though it was going back to the same place, it was coming back to a different mental place. And I've heard others who do not have similar uh, things like kids to pick up or mail to go get or something like that, they try to replace that commute time with something else. Um, And if it's going outside to walk the dog or, you know, just going outside to get the mail or just something, it'll help your brain to to divide that time apart from the other time. And then you don't get sucked into that, you know, that staying in your office till 8 p.m. every night.
1: Yeah, I used to have the commute um, to and from the office. It was Mm -hmm. about forty-five minutes to an hour, and that was my time where you know I kind of like did the who saw and relax and turn up the music and kind of chill. And and it broke that time up. Where Mm -hmm. here now, a lot of people, you know, obviously we're we're just kind of running into things. Walk into the next room. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, you know, like I mentioned before, we. I know Javad and I get a lot of questions from people that are like, Hey, I want to get into information security. Um, what do I do? What, you know, how do I do this? And, and in my opinion, what I've seen is a lot of it is mindset, right? So you came out of staffing, you came out of these areas, but you had a security mindset, right? It intrigued mm-hmm. you, it made you interested. And then you were able to take these things you were doing, like in market analysis, I think, and, and turn that into you said OSINT all the time, mm-hmm. but at the time, first started doing that you may not have even known that term that's
2: correct yeah and
1: I think it's it's really cool so (laughs) what would you say to people that want to get into this field with the experience that you have coming from these these you know outside areas
2: I would say a um, that getting involved with CTFs whether that's OSINT CTFs from Trace Labs or the SECTF from SE Village hopefully next year when we get to go back Um, optimistic here. And then um, there's CG Silvers also does an OSEN CTF. They did one at DerbyCon last year. And I think they were supposed to have one at CyberCon this year. But getting involved in those types of things, it's going to give you the ability to A, um, you know, pull those skills together for something different and figure out if it's something that you're into. But B, it's also going to give you the ability to network with other people who are in these industries And I'm not saying this in like a manipulative, tricky, scammy way, but you can use your networking abilities to then leverage those relationships into getting you in front of decision makers at companies. Because the biggest issue that I had was that my resume didn't have a whole pile of certificates on it or, you know, an IT background or some of the things that recruiters are looking for. And those certs are the things that get you past HR, but that's it. If you can get past HR another way and demonstrate that you have those transitional skills, that you have, you know, like a whole sheet of your resume, that's all, you know, hobby stuff, like take all the courses from Black Hills Security, they're free, take them, put them on there, collect those certificates, show and demonstrate that you're doing stuff to learn and to continue your education, and then show how you've applied those things through the CTFs and then leverage that kind of stuff to get you to a person who would consider hiring you on. Um, and and you know, there is, there is always the chance that you're going to have to take a salary cut or take a title cut, go backwards from management or something like that. And it's going to enable you to get into the industry that you want to be in. Um, and then you can start working your way up again. But you kind of have to be willing to, to, to pay your dues.
0: Yeah, that, that's fantastic advice, and um, it, it's something that I, I feel. Um, even though I worked in IT security, I started off in the banking side, and I just stuck in a rut. But when I started blogging and making YouTube videos, um, to your point, mm. I think it just gets your, your 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 face in front of those decision makers. who are like, "Ah, oh, I kind of like how this person thinks, or acts, or, or, or writes," and there's something we can work with. And I found that helped my career. Uh, tremendous Mm -hmm. so I think it's like all about trying to figure out ways of how you can put your best skills forward well and
2: especially now when we can't interact with each other in person things like Twitter I can't tell you how many friends connections and professional relationships for me have started on Twitter you guys included And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's opened so many doors, but, um, I was going to make a point. I'll throw it back to you, Eric, until I remember what it was.
1: Well, you know, you mentioned (laughs) meeting us on Twitter and I remember, I think the first time you and I had real communication on Twitter, it was something about cooking your children in the oven right? It, it was, do you remember, it was, it was kind of the way you worded mm-hmm. things. And I kind of gave you a hard time about that. And, and you were tired. And, and every time you I'm said something, tired. it was a little bit worse. <laughs> yeah, it, it made it a little bit worse. And so I, I almost yeah, felt bad. I, I think I reached I out to you and I'm like, Hey, I, I hope you don't mind that, you know, I'm, I'm not really trying to to make this look bad, but you know, we're just having some fun. So that's yeah. when I realized he had a good sense of humor. Yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> I I definitely try to have a good sense of humor. Um, when you're, um, I guess online it's, and I, this comes out of like my social media management and digital marketing thing. Um, I think online we try to be too professional sometimes. And I'm not saying, you know, be vulgar or anything like that, but um, it's definitely okay to have a personality. And me barfing all of my anxieties on Twitter has definitely had people rush to my aid. Like um, there was a goon that helped me to get my Defcon badge, just the, the regular human badge, the year that I competed with the, the baby with me um, the night before so that I could make sure I was on time to SE Village the next day to compete just because I was just like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, should I get in line con now? I can't do that with a three month, you know? So it's, it's definitely okay to be human, <laughs> especially on social media. Um, and I think that, you know, you'll attract the right people that way. People that you want to have in your circle Um, And so, yeah, I would highly, highly encourage that, especially now that we're all distanced from each other. Um, And as far as getting um, into the industry, follow the people that you want to emulate. Follow the people that inspire you um, and learn everything that you possibly can from them. Um, Jason... Um, let's see, what's his handle again? Banjo Crashland on Twitch. Yes, really Banjo Crashland on Twitch. He does a stream twice a week where he helps people do job hunts live and gives advice about how to put your resume together for a specific role and all that stuff. He really helped me to refine my resume skills um, and uh, encourages a lot of people through their job seeking. And I think he has like over 20 people that have actually landed new roles through this uh regular uh twitch stream that he does
0: wow that's cool there are a lot of cool people out there and i think what one skill that i think is important on social media is to cut through all the the the, the crap that people put out there and just find these uh the, the good people like you said you find the right people you surround yourself with the right right people on on social media just mm-hmm. as important as real, as real life is is online and you will find these good people who are out there doing some fantastic things. Yeah, I think yep, you referred. Mute the
2: trash. <laughs> yeah,
0: well,
1: you you referred to infosec at one point in time uh, when we were talking before as a dumpster fire, and and honestly, <laughs> it is kind of like that, right? There's there's all this stuff on Twitter that goes crazy, but there are some really really good people in there, and something that people don't realize too, getting into the industry, we all have you know the complex where we we feel like we don't know what we're doing. You know, everyone, mm-hmm. everyone thinks, oh, well, these people all have it together. And on the inside, we're kind of like, we're, we're all I winging it, you know? About. Yeah. Helping you in an adult. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's good that people understand that, that none of us go into this, you know, feeling super confident most of the mm-hmm. time. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, like Javad, for example. Oh,
0: goodness. He, he never feels confident. I, I think it was Jason Street who once he said, and he, I, I really like how he defined it. He goes... There's the infosec scene, which is just a few people. It's a small group, but they're like, make a lot of noise and they go about as if they own the joint and what have you. Because you want to avoid this infosec scene. You want to be part of the infosec community, which is bigger, but it's like the people who go to conferences and what have you, and you exchange tips and you get jobs and what have you. But then far bigger than that, probably 90% is the infosec industry. They're the people who you probably never see at a conference you, you, you won't see them on social media, but they actually keep the world running. They're the ones who go to their jobs, they do an honest day's work, and then they go home to their families and they don't think about uh, security after that. So I, I think there's a place for everyone, depending on how much you want your involvement to be. I think the community is a great place uh, to find, to break into the industry, to find these people who can help you and, and engage. But then it's not for everyone to stay in that community either. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they, they can just be part of the industry and and lead very very happy lives i don't think there's a you know there that need to be constantly involved in everything as well yeah. and it's, know, okay. it's okay it's okay not to be a tester.
2: yeah i just wanted to throw is. that one
1: out there too <laughs> the,
2: the blue team is definitely definitely can be sexy too let's all be frank i mean i'm i really focused on you know like the prevention security awareness training and um you know social engineering awareness training and you know phishing vishing that kind of stuff and now moving over into more of like an incident response, kind of a mindset it's opened up so many more things for me to learn and it's so engaging. Um, I would, I would highly recommend exploring uh, blue team typical roles too, because that is also, I mean, there's a tremendous need there. Not everybody can be MacGyver. I'm sorry, <laughs> you just can't, um, but uh what I was going to say regarding the what we would call in social media management speak, the vocal minority, um, in infosec the most elite hackers that I personally know, like have met in person have like four or six followers on Twitter and they don't use their real names anywhere and they're incredibly smart and talented. Um, so don't, don't let things like follower count and stuff like that make you feel like you can't get involved or that you're not um, somebody who can influence this industry. Because, uh, you know, as these two were saying, it's the people that are actually doing the work behind the scenes, um, not the people that you see all the time standing up and and talking about what they do. But there's so, so much more of a broad landscape of people in this industry than what you are exposed to just through media and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, I echo that. And I often say to people uh, who I are, know, who are friends, colleagues who, who work in the industry, and I'm like, you know, there's probably something, you know, that no one else knows. There's, mm-hmm. Maybe you figured out a way of how to articulate a risk so well that You know it's perfectly clear why don't you just build a talk around how you articulate risk how do you write them down how do you maybe you take results from a pen test and you interpret them into business speak in a particular way and there's a methodology you follow that's something that would be valuable to majority of people because it's a challenge a lot of people would face but you know go and talk about that you know not everyone needs to know about you know how do you get root on a box Uh, It's these things. How do you speak to people? How do you influence things? How do you, you know, just prioritize your projects? You know, a whole manner of things. Yeah, soft skills are big Communication is critical.
2: Communication, report writing, the ability to, to describe processes in a way that anybody could understand it. All of those things are critical and crucial to these types of roles. And I have people ask me all the time. You know, should I submit a talk about this? I saw somebody else did a talk that was similar. Well, yeah, but you're putting together your perspective. And honestly, the conference talk circuit, we see so much of the same, including myself, totally guilty, so much of the same people and the same topics so often that it would be wonderful and refreshing if, if many more people would contribute their perspectives and contribute uh, CFP applications.
0: Indeed, indeed. So, so, so let's uh, let, let's uh, look at the the trajectory now. So it was uh, a mixture: of marketing, social media, staffing, a lot of self study, social engineering, and now you're moving more into incident response sort of field. Where do you see the future? What 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 do you have your goals set on? Um, where, where you know, kind of, where would you like to see yourself in, in a few years' time?
2: Well, I tend to kind of fly by the seat of my pants now. Um, I used to really be like a long-term planner. And since having kids, a lot of those like control (laughs) aspects of my personality, I've had to kind of (laughs) throw out the window. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm just, I, I want to, I always want to make it a goal to do better or improve or learn more than I know now. Um, Just like the SECTF, I just wanted to do better than sixth. Um, Right now, my goal is to really learn as much as I possibly can um, and contribute as much as I can on, you know, from my knowledge of social engineering and um, the work that I've done for assessments and things in the past. I want to be able to contribute as much as I, you know, am taking, but I feel like I'm going to be taking a lot here. Um, from my team as far as learning and acquiring new skills. Um, and, and so I try to give back through, you know, offering trainings and um, fundraising as an ambassador for the Innocent Lives Foundation and doing those things. And I definitely want to continue doing those things. Um, in the future, though, my ultimate goal is to just be a chicken farmer <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: and uh, just breed new breeds of chickens because I've always been super interested in genetics and biology and stuff, and I just happen to have, like, 50 chickens. So, um, yeah, I would love to be able to do that full-time, but I feel like I'm going to be living here in the dumpster fire with all of you for quite some time.
0: <laughs> oh, well. So, so before we wrap up, are there any, um, for, for our listeners and viewers, any uh, books or people you Ooh, recommend yes. people would read or follow or learn from?
2: Yes. Just wait, let me grab the books. Okay. So I have a few books back here that <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, I got a lot of books. <laughs> I just got a lot of these, but one that I used a lot um, while I was preparing for the TF is the code of trust. This is from Robin Dreek and he's got another book called sizing people up, which is really great. Um, Even if you are not in a management role to better your leadership skills, conversations and like sizing up members of your team Um, for imposter syndrome, which I know is something we all struggle with. Billy Boatwright, um, who is a a very good friend of SE Village, uh, wrote Swing Away. All of these are on Amazon. Uh, This puppy, really cool book. This is essentially just like a cheat sheet book that has a lot of um, OSINT stuff in it um and yeah i know i have a lot and then uh the pen tester blueprint this is from uh philip wiley and kim crowley this one just came out recently but yeah check that out and then so, so i think you guys know this guy
1: oh <laughs> roger
2: grimes book oh. uh, hacking multi authentication this one just came out too <laughs> um and I will admit I haven't read the whole thing yet, but but I am really excited to dig into it more. Um, yeah, so those are all the books I had them out for uh, my chat with Chris High Maggie yesterday. But
1: yeah, I question. love that you you had no idea that question was coming. <laughs> I had no idea, it was
0: coming, but
2: I was like, <laughs> I can pull them all out. Yeah, I just received a lot of those, so they're they're on my desk for uh, you know my spare time. <laughs>
0: fantastic eric will put them all in the show notes below i'll send you my amazon affiliate link you can use yeah thanks thanks a lot for that all right cool well um thank you so much for for joining us we've taken up a lot of your time you've been very generous uh i've certainly learned a lot eric is never (laughs) he's just (laughs) Uh, but I, I, I'm sure our listeners and viewers have, have learned a lot. Uh, uh, I believe uh, your website is If anyone yes. wants to find out a, a bit more about you. Otherwise, Twitter, you said, is the best place? Den- yep.
2: Twitter is the best place to reach out to me. And my DMs are open. Um, if you want to get in touch that way, it's totally fine. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Um, and hopefully we'll spend maybe not RSA together, but hopefully next DEF CON, we'll get to hang out.
0: Hope so. Hope so. Absolutely, yeah.
1: cool. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Really, again, um, always uh, always wonderful to talk to you. I, I love your story and the way that y- that you've done this. Um, and, and you're just a great person. Like we've spent time together, and you're just <laughs> a great person. You're a lot of fun. Your husband's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. the, the whole the whole family that I've met so far has been a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah. thanks for being Thank here. You. Thanks for the the time.
0: And Absolutely. You, know what you, you forgot to tell me. You forgot to remind me about running the intro at the beginning, the video.
1: Uh, no, no, I did do that uh, in the beginning. And you <laughs> just said, hopefully, I'll remember to hit record this time. Remember? Oh,
0: that's what you were referring to. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. That would be the intro I was trying to get you to do. But here we are. Okay,
0: that's an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for for joining us. We will see you again next week. Until then, my friends.
1: Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented.